we can build a lot, lot better than we are. So uh, we can do, um, a, you know, so much more than what we're doing in the in the building arena at the moment. And 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 doesn't have to take that much effort. And eventually, I don't think it will, will cost that much more. And I'd like to see a bit more cost effective housing for people because there's too many people living in, in sick buildings um, with sick materials and it's it's not necessary. We don't have to live like that. G'day and welcome to episode 150 of the Homestyle Green podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to inspiring people to make a better place to live. This week I'm speaking with Glenn Harley, is, who is one of those people who literally puts uh, buildings together. He is a builder. And I love talking to builders because they are the important people at the end of the design build process. Uh, Glenn came to me via Proclimber, who are supporters and sponsors of this show, and I'm really grateful to them. Part of the reason why this episode is coming out late this week is because I was very lucky to head over to Melbourne last week to the second South Pacific Passive House Conference. And the more I'm getting into this passive, well, I'm getting into that. I didn't intend to, but the more I hear about high-performance homes, the more I talk to people, the more passive house keeps cropping up. And I'm more and more convinced that it is the future. Um, Not just because of that conference, because on the heels of that, there was also the expert tour this week, which again, Proclimber heavily involved in that, but they brought in some amazing speakers like Bronwyn Barry from the US and also had uh, Professor Robin Phipps from Massey University talking about health and housing, something I'm really passionate about. Uh, she uh, subbed out with uh, Julian, Professor Julian Crane down in, uh, from Otago University for some of the other um, talks. Anyway, I'm going to do more of a wrap-up from both the Passive House Conference and also the Expert Tour but I want to do that. I want to make sure I do that justice. So um, I'm going to prepare a little bit more about this week. And I just wanted to get this interview out with Glenn Harley, who's just a fantastic guy. He's doing some amazing stuff. And I love these stories from builders who are out there doing it. So anyway, I asked Glenn why he does what he does. As a carpenter in, in the original um, days, it was the appeal of timber. I'll, I have a a real um, proclivity to, to dealing with timber. Wood is my thing. And um, it, that's it's also combined with the fact of making, building a house, building a shelter from, from scratch. You know, mm. there's a real appeal to that to me. And um, it, it kind of goes along with um, just being a little bit, self-contained, um, you know, it's another thing you can do. Um, yeah. And I think it's really important, you know, and um, in New Zealand we still have that can-do kind of nature, I think. It's important. I think it kind of holds you in good stead for for things. So, yeah, so and also the building side of it, the having the building company and how that's evolved, it's, it's about um, we can build a lot lot better than we are so uh we can do um a, you know 
so much more than what we're doing in the in the building arena at the moment, and 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 doesn't have to take that much effort. And eventually, I don't think it will, will cost that much more. And I'd like to see a bit more cost-effective housing for people because there's too many people living in in sick buildings um, with sick materials, and it's it's not necessary. We don't have to live like that. So what what do you mean by? I, I totally agree. What would you mean by cost-effective? What would that look like for you? Well, for me, I think, without getting too political, I think there's there's too much um, monopoly, duopoly, and and things like that in this country when it comes to material. We can uh, we can get political. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> let's yes, let's. <laughs> um, so for me, you know, that's that's something that keeps coming up. That one of the biggest barriers for people getting into home is is the cost of material overseas, Australia. North America, they are aghast at what we pay for materials. You're right. Um, admittedly, wages have come up a little bit in this, particularly in Christchurch, but I think they had to. I'm a little biased in, in my outlook because I am a, a builder, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. But, like but trades, tradesmen, I think particularly builders, have been underrated for so long yeah. because we, we run the we run the job, you know, and the responsibility of that, is fairly high, especially with uh, health and safety and, and parameters that we now are required to go to. So I, I think that it's worth, and it's hard on the body, you know, yep. but it's hard on the body. So I think it's worth a good wage. And our houses are our biggest investment, you know, not only f- financially, but you know, you spend a lot of your time there, and it's health-wise. You only need to look at some of these um, mouldy homes up north, and what's happening to people within them. And we just—are we third world or what? Yeah, it, it does seem that way, and I can see that there's a real tension there. The things you're describing, where we expect people not to get hurt on jobs, so we need policies and, and rules around that. That costs. We, we're a small island in the middle of the Pacific, so getting stuff here costs. Um, yet there's this big push for affordable housing and, and as you mentioned, striving for cost-effective housing. How do we reconcile that with all these um, kind of competing issues? How can we get cheaper housing but still have higher standards and not kill people on the job? Well, I think the first thing it comes down to uh, from a tradesman's perspective is pride. If you don't have pride in what you're doing, you, you're not going to care. The government's going to make you care more and more with the licensed building practitioner stuff and the um, responsibility that you have um, with health and safety. Um, and actually, you will pay a very big price if, if you get that wrong. So you, I think before you start up in a building business, you've really got to be thinking about what you're doing. And it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's a tricky one because you've, it's hard to hit the ground running because the skills required now compared to when I first started, say almost 10 years ago, when I started my company, uh, it's just a world apart. So what's changed? Um, the, the compliances, right. The res- the responsibilities and the tolerances. So the tolerances of, um, between getting it wrong and getting it right. So that requires, that requires pride in the first instance or attention to detail or whatever you want to call it. But if you don't have that, 
I don't think you've got any business building someone else's house because it's their biggest investment. And, um, the, you know, it's uh, it's very dear to people's hearts. So um, there's, there's a lot. There's a lot going on in building at the moment. Yeah. And, and lots of demands on, on you, like you say, as well. Because you've got to yeah. run a business on, on top of all that too. I think I think though it's it's just demanding professionalism that possibly hasn't been in the industry previously. You know, I really like that concept of pride, and I've heard that previously described as craftsmanship and really taking care and and taking. But that takes time. It, it that conjures up expensiveness. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's a very, that's a good point. But see, the the point is if you, if you've got a difficulty on a building and you don't address mm-hmm. it it's going to cost you in the long run. So if you're running all the time and you don't stop and you, or you don't manage, yeah. it's going to bite you. It's, yeah. going to, it's like a big dog. It'll bite you in the ass. So but, from the consumer's point of view, from your clients, your clients are obviously lucky ones because they found you, but how does someone find a good builder? Because you know, they can do the best marketing in the world or they can they can ask people and, and get a referral. Um but given that it is people's biggest investment, how can people know um, who to trust? Well, you know, when you buy a car, you go out and you spend a lot of time. Um, a lot of people do. When they buy a new car, they'll, they'll study it and they'll learn about what they're getting. With a house, it's, there's quite often people have quite a bit of faith in the builder. Yeah. Why not do the same thing with a house? So find out what you're getting. Find out what has been produced previously by the said builder or whatever and and get some facts. Ask to see some pictures. Um, most people can see quality. If not, talk to someone you know who is capable and that can actually, you know, that you trust, that may know something about these things, you know. So that's the only thing I can suggest is, is you know, talk to people who actually – um, know more than you do about yep. something and trust your own instincts on what you see, if, if whether that be photographs or in the person themselves. And, and a lot of it's also about how you get on with somebody, you know, because it's some of these projects can be a year long. Yeah. And so, you know, how does it feel in the first instance dealing with this person, you know? Yep. Very important. And communication. That's the, the bane of a lot of builders is communication. You know, sometimes we don't communicate as effectively as we could. Yeah. And But people just want to be kept in the loop of what's happening, if there's any changes, if there's any increased costs. So just treat them like how you'd like to be treated, you know. I like that concept of backing yourself just as a non-builder in knowing what quality feels like. And, and I think people – I think you're right. People, even if they know nothing about building, if you walk into a – a shoddy house mm. you can you, you can probably even if you can't specifically identify things you can probably get a feel for oh, something's not right here or this doesn't feel good and, and the flip side to that is you walk into something that's just amazingly quality you can probably feel it so people should back themselves when they when they're doing that research yeah and you know um you know that that's what i like about about passive and it's measurable too. And if you don't, yes. make those, if you don't make those standards, you, it's you know, it's kind of, it's not good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's talk about that that the high performance end because uh, I asked you at the start and you said that 
you're drawn to timber and wood and creating things and and I get that and I can see the appeal of that it's something very fundamental about building about constructing things with your with your bare hands literally um, but why take it to the next level and you are very clearly from um, the jobs that you've done and, and from the the wording on your website moving towards the energy efficiency green building and passive house i know you've done straw bale in the past as well what took you down that path rather than just saying well hey there's lots of money to be made in um just building stock standard code compliant houses why did you choose that path well let's face it the planet's in dire straits you know you have to go around with your eyes and your ears completely shut if you're not noticing that so I guess in the first instance for me the my first foray into it was with straw bale and so straw bale is a waste product you know it often gets burnt and wasted and then when I first my, saw my first straw bale house in a book yeah that, that was it there was actually it was a sort of no going back from that aesthetic I really liked the aesthetic I liked the the, the use of a waste product I like the ability of the the low kind of technology factor of it for yep. me at that time and that, you know, people could be involved in it. And then since then, the straw bale world has evolved quite some because, you know, since then leaky homes have come into it. Mm. There's a whole level of, of, of techni- technical stuff that um, needs to be sorted and rain screens and things like that, which – you know, it kind of altered straw a little bit. Um, so I took the but, shine off for you? Well, not so much. Took the, it altered it. And I was, you know, in the first instance, I was I was learning about it too. So um, beware if you don't learn from, from what's going on. And I learned from some other companies' mistakes. Right. Um, and some disappointments for people that, that were in um, Canterbury. So, Specifically uh, around straw? Yeah, straw bale and mismanagement of design and things like that, you know. And so I was, I was learning about straw, and you take it all in. So is and, that is that something that people should be aware of? Like, is straw uh, legitimate in New Zealand, or should people steer away from it? Oh no, it's it's definitely legitimate legitimate in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about design, you know. Right. You, you don't do a standard face style uh, um, uh, house, and in Canterbury. Um, there was a designer who 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 learned that, and a builder who learned that. Right. So, so you need you need eaves. Uh, yeah, go on. Yeah, that's the story. <laughs> so um, you know, and but I mean, there's it's 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 it, evolution and a learning. You know. Yeah. And yeah. That's what's happened, and it's a shame. But straw's got a pretty sound place in New Zealand now. People have, are required to do rain screens and things like that on wind driven, you know, aspects of their house. Yeah. And, and eaves, you won't find many straw bale places without eaves. I, I live in a straw bale myself, straw bale house. It's, it's got cladding because of that very reason. I've clad it because we lived uh, originally, it's about seven years old, and we lived in a paddock. It was a sheep paddock. Yeah. Wind-driven rain would come from every direction. So it would have been foolish for me not to do it, I think, in this situation based on, you know, um, plaster being porous on the, the plaster that I was going to do would have been porous because I would have had to do it myself. At the right, time. right. 
So uh, you weigh it up and, you know, you learn as you go. So, and straw is a fantastic product, but um, the efficiencies of passive have sort of um, outweighed my enthusiasm for straw and for an efficient, on on the efficient um, side of things, you know. Right. So you got, you you like, you saw a picture of a straw bale sale, so I like the look of that. Uh, Jumped in, tried it out, obviously liked it because you you built one, living it yourself. How did you hear about Passive House? Um, I think probably the first time was just on the net. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, you know, the, there's overlaps between green building. And, and I'd just like to point out on the green building side of things, there's no such thing as a green building. It doesn't <laughs> exist. You can paint it green. <laughs> yeah. And there's greener buildings. Yeah. There's no such thing as a green building, unfortunately. It just doesn't exist. So, and we use such a huge percentage of material. It's just the way it is. Um, so, I, I mean, I just so, think green. So, do you do you think the green word is the wrong word, or do you just think that the process of making a house is is going to be have an impact on the planet, no matter what you do? Yeah, the latter. Right. Yeah. It's. I mean. It's it's a nice idea, Green Build, and yeah. and in fact, I went to Green Build DC um, a couple of months ago, you know, November, and um, the, I still the, crossed the mecca of uh, green building in the US. Yeah, and yeah, and and in the world, it's one of the, the well, best yeah. ones, and it was fantastic. Um, but now, what did I do to get there? I spent <laughs> some time on a plane that was belching um, <laughs> yeah. carbon into the. You know what I'm saying? So. Yeah. Um, and that was in, in uh, you know, to to support my green building. So, um, we can be mindful of what we do, and we can do the best we can with what we've got. Um, but so I I've sort of changed from green builder to more kind of energy efficient and um, healthy homes. That's probably what I'm trying to do, and we yep. re- recycle where we can yeah yeah because when people come to you um what are they looking for most is it health is it energy efficiency or is it saving the planet i think it's a little bit of everything generally i think there's a little bit of that in every client that that's come to me you know the most people um you don't need to that come to us there's, there's not a lot of education required. They've done a lot of work beforehand. Um, the internet's a fantastic resource. You can find anything. You can see a picture of it. You can see people doing it. You can, you know, experience videos of yep. their experience. And so people are pretty well healed in the in the knowledge side of it. And so, and the and also through that technology, they know what's going on in the planet. You know, yep. you, can, you know that China's under huge duress and that people are suffering around the planet because of, of what we're doing. So that that's going to come um, fairly naturally, I think. And then um, all those other things that you talked about was, you know, that people were also, you know, the cost of it's really important, obviously. You know, if you yeah. don't have the money, you can't do the thing. Yep. Um, so unfortunately at this stage, I th- my thoughts are that, we're at a point where um, more energy efficient building or 
um, green building, if you like, um, or more sustainable building styles and carbon neutral and things like that. At this stage, I think they tend to cost more. Yep. But the more people do them, the more people you'll have, um, you know, being competitive around it and getting better systems. Um, cost more up front to build, right? Correct, yeah. Because you've yeah. still got all those problems that you uh, highlighted at the beginning. You've still got the same, generally, supply uh, yeah. or similar, um, and you've got the, all those pesky tradespeople who want to get paid more. <laughs> yeah. So all, no, none of that's going to change unless you dramatically, uh, you know, we could talk about prefab and, and all those other things, but fundamentally you've still got those issues. So um, I, I think that's an important um, reality for people to understand that quality is going to cost a little bit more on a volumetric rate. So if you if you price per square meter, yeah. um yeah, a good quality house is going to cost more than a lower quality house. Yeah, and the what's the life cycle of the house? You know, so if you're a person that builds houses and flicks them on, it's not the thing for you. Yeah. But if you're gonna if you can see yourself living there for, you know, even 10, 15 years, it's gonna pay its way. I mean the the place that we last did, um, you know, um Actually, there's there's no heating and no cooling. So in Christchurch, yeah. So there's no heating or cooling. There's a ventilation system that's very very cost effective to run. Um, so this is a was this a passive house one? Yeah. So this is the the first certified passive house in Christchurch. Um, now the certification is pending. I'm, I might add at that this point. <laughs> so we're we're in the paperwork stage of that. Yep. I've been assured by the um, people that. Um, uh, looking at the certification, that it's it's we're going to get it. Um, so that's very exciting for us. That uh, is very exciting. I mean, that is for listeners to understand. That's a, a big achievement. The first one. I mean, the first one in New Zealand was a few years ago now in Auckland. But there's a vast difference between the Auckland climate and the Christchurch climate, and that is quite spectacular. When you when you step back and think about that, that you've produced a house that doesn't have or won't require any fixed heating. In Christchurch's climate, so we're talking winter temperatures of sub zero sometimes, but definitely zero. Yeah, um, that's pretty incredible. So what we've done is we've been able to test it in summer because we finished it in November. So in the so that's another point as well. So the proof's in the pudding, and we don't actually have the proof for winter yet. Right. I, I was surely except up- for modelling, I assume. <laughs> Yeah, well, modelling, yeah, absolutely. There's rigorous modelling for Passive House. You yeah. know? But uh, again, for me, it's the actual experience of being able to record it when it's built. Yeah. So what, what we've got is at this stage, we've got the house, has been it's been 36 degrees before Christmas um, in, in Christchurch, um, and I got called in to the house. It was quite exciting, you know. Yeah. The, the owners called me in and they, they said to me, oh, Glenn, come inside. Because I went inside and it was 36 degrees outside and 23 degrees inside and there was no fan there was no um there was no cooling machine and there was yeah. they didn't even have the freezer open you know <laughs> so, um and, and, and they had the um the ventilation system they had the zender going yeah um but um which sort of neutralizes um the, the house so it basically standardizes the, the the air within the house yeah and the, yeah don't ask me too much about it I'm not a 
Oh no, we, we've had uh, we've had uh, the guys from uh, Fantech on the show. Oh great! So yeah. explaining the um, mechanical heat recovery ventilation. So that I mean, yeah, that's incredible. Um, and and you would notice that as well. I mean, that's that's the converse of going around um, going into open homes on the coldest day of the year and and them being nice and cozy and warm and thinking, oh gee, this is nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and I've experienced those those hot Christchurch days. It, you know, Norwe- you get a Norwester cranking up, and it, yeah. it gets hot. Mm, no, you're right. You're right. So that was that was they were excited. It was great to see that excitement, you know. And then yeah. it was also I was very relieved at that point, you know. Um, because yeah, I imagine when, all- when when builders often get called up by clients to to come quickly to the look at something. It's not always <laughs> a, it's not always a happy phone call. Yeah, well, we were on site doing the uh, landscaping, so um, yeah, they just called us inside. Um, but um, you know, and that's the thing, you know, so many houses aren't required to be measurable after the fact. Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't, I think that homes need to be measurable. I think that because we can actually do it now, why not use the the technology? Um, and have a standard that they they need to reach because it really focuses the builder. Yeah, when he's got a goal that he's got to attain. Like so, passive houses point six, we got point three eight. Um, air changes, air changes per hour. Yeah. So, um, and you um, going into that a little bit for anybody who's listening who might not know, it's each each hour. Um, there's a certain amount of air changes within a room. Now, that means that um, the air completely uh, evacuates the room. And at that time frame, um, an average house, new house is um, six to 10 air changes per hour. Um, This passive house that we did is 0.38. And so... You just got to do the maths on that to realize that you're heating that that room so many more times. The amount of energy required to do that, maybe to you, might not be a, very much, but um, when you add it up to every home, to the billions of people on the planet, it, it actually it's a big deal. And it is when you're paying the power bills too. And yeah, and power's not getting any cheaper, you know. Um, and it, we just we can't afford to continue um, the rate at which we're going. It's just not, it can't happen. Do you sometimes get people say, I don't want to live in an airtight house? Well, I've never heard anyone actually say that. Right. But I can understand the reasoning behind it. I think there's not going to be enough oxygen. Yeah. I spoke to somebody who knew quite a bit about it, and they said it would take several years for a family to starve of oxygen deprivation, um, and you wouldn't be able to open the door, so right. you wouldn't be able to leave the house. So you know, it's but you know, it's it's something that um, again, it's been measured, it's been proven in Europe. They've been doing it for some time. Yep. Um, but with the ventilation system, uh, it's. Um, it actually, you know, makes that not an issue. And yeah, if it's yeah. really bad, open a window. They still make openable, <laughs> efficient windows. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's what I always say whenever I hear that objection that it's not the Kiwi way. Uh, I say air tightness is, is more about control than it is about 
being in a sealed box. So when you close the windows and you close the doors, it's actually closed rather than it just being, well, it's a little bit leaky still, but we'll put up with it. Um, and and this, the whole thing about indoor-outdoor flow, it's a little bit of a misnomer. Um, you know, I, our house, 1950s house, uh, which with, with additions is a, is a great example. We've just got way too many doors in this house, yeah. French doors all over the place that, that hardly ever get used. Yeah, um, the but also you can think of um, a non, uh, you know, just think of it as a draft. Call it a draft. Yeah. Who wants a drafty house? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's equivalent of the same thing, really. Yeah. yeah. So air tightness, um, big part of that um, measurability. You mentioned that yeah, you know, that makes a big difference. Why do you think it is that we don't have that requirement for a measurable standard? Um, is that why is the, why is the code not enough? I think possibly previously we couldn't actually measure it that well. Uh-huh. You know, with technology we we can actually measure it. You know, you've got a camera that can tell you where your your heat's going. You can um, you've, you've got technology that shows you, um, like we do a blow a door test that can tell you the level of air that's that's you know um, yeah. that's leaving the building. Or coming in, you know. So the 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 technology is now there, um, and uh, so I think it's a technology thing. And so I think can you envisage a time when that, for example, air tightness tests are required in New Zealand? Yeah, yep. Yeah. I mean, they're doing it awesome. in another country. Yeah, I'd love to yeah. see that. They're doing it in another country. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. And again, it's just it's going to tidy things up, isn't it? So, but it depends again uh, the driving forces. Yeah, know? if you've got enough um, people that are building enough houses that don't want to do it and they have sway in the appropriate places, then it might be slower. But I don't think we can stop it. Yeah. And you know, I think once it comes in, people will go, "How did we build houses without this?" Yeah, you know, it's yeah. like a warrant of fitness. And also the. The thing around um, controlling the air and having ventilation systems within it is for those that suffer from mould and, um, you know, pollen and things like that, the air is getting filtered. And the the owner of this house, for instance, in Christchurch, is really pleased because she's in the past had quite bad, um, you know, allergic reactions to pollen and things like that and dust. So she... She's absolutely loving it. Yeah, you know? I love hearing stories like that where people have been sick for years and then suddenly live in a healthy home and what do you know, they're healthy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very quickly, before we, we've got to finish up soon, Glenn, but um, if you had to sort of list top three tips for someone who wants a good performing home, one of those energy efficient and healthy ones, what are the, the three um, biggest priorities that you'd suggest for them? Um. Research, I think, is is a big one. You know, find out about your biggest asset that you're about to build. Um, research who uh, the people that are going to be involved in, and find someone you're comfortable with. And but make sure also there's a, a the tricky thing around it is finding people with a, a background in, in some of the stuff because it is pre- fairly cutting edge, but just make sure there's a proclivity towards what 
they're harping on about or yep. the or what their um website is proclaiming so yep. so that's buyer beware stuff yep um and and again it's it kind of keeps coming back to research so learn what you want in your house and why and yep. look at the yep. different because there's there's a there's actually a raft of um decisions you need to make you know so there's plenty of people that want um close to a passive house but don't necessarily want the passive house standard they just want to see what it's going to cost them to to be more energy efficient um so there's you know there's a whole bunch of things along the way it doesn't have to be all or nothing so you do something that suits you don't get talked into something that's not you yeah, I, I I think I emphasize that point about why you you want something, and and if it's because that's what the sales rep told you, then yeah, think twice about that. Yep. Um. So, and uh, the third one, I yeah, I think again, it's just it's just do do the do the um do the study on it. You know, oh, excuse me, <laughs> it's fine. No worries, you busy man. <laughs> um. Yeah. Do the study. Find out and um, just experience other people's places, you know, and if you can get access to a house that's the, like the one you want, go and see how it feels because it's a lot of these houses you walk into, you can't actually tell the difference. It's, and uh, it's experiencing it and talking to the owners. I think the key word there is feels and you can't get that out of a magazine and it does take – going in and experiencing uh the temperature the the ambience uh, the the sound all that stuff that you just can't get from pictures on a screen or in a magazine um so yeah a bit of legwork there required maybe yeah 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 hey um Glenn, I, I love what you're doing, and it's a great pleasure to um, find people. I'm very impressed that you are so motivated to head over to Greenville. I, I would suspect there were not too many Kiwi builders over there. No, I didn't bump into too many. No. No. <laughs> but good on you for uh, bringing some of that stuff, uh, reinforcing it here, because we, we need to learn from what other people are doing around the world. Where can people find you and uh, a bit more about what you're doing? Uh, just just on our website, if you tap in Harley Builders, um, we, we come up. And um, in fact, I don't even know what our website is, www something rather <laughs> Harley Builders. Something. I'll, so- I'll, link, I'll link up to it. Um, yeah, harleybuilders.co.nz, I think you are. Um but I'll I'll make sure that there are links to that. Where what's the extent of your services, uh, and geographically, where do you operate? Well, we tend to try and stay in um, Canterbury. I mean, I'm obviously in um, in Canterbury. I'm out of town, mm-hmm. um, but we we travel within uh, you know an hour of Christchurch. Yep, in any direction. Yep, um, and. Um, Occasionally, we get asked to do stuff elsewhere, but it depends, um, you know, on the project really. If cool. it's a really super exciting project, you can twist it around. Nice. <laughs> hey, well, thank you very much for your time, Glenn. Really appreciate it. Yeah, fine. Nice to talk. Thank you very much. Glenn Harley there from Harley Builders, and he, um, 
His website is harleybuilders.co.nz. Harley is H-A-R-L-E-Y builders.co.nz. I will put up some links and some notes from this episode over at homestylegreen.com forward slash 150 for episode 150. And you'll be able to uh, find his website there. Um, as I said, this uh, I, I found Glenn because of Proclimber and this episode and this podcast is brought to you by the very good folk at Proclimber. And if you are at all interested in building a high-performance home or perhaps renovating your existing home to a high level of performance, then you will need to get it airtight, get the walls airtight, and uh, seal it up properly. And Proclimber is the best solution to do that, not just because of the quality of their products, but also because of their fantastic customer service. And they're just a great bunch of guys, so I highly recommend getting in touch with them, see that, how they can help you out. If you enjoy this show, I'd love to get your comments, feedback. You can contact me, Matthew, at homestylegreen.com. You can also leave a review and a rating over at iTunes. That really helps us spread the good word about building better homes. And, um, yeah, I'd love to hear you. I'm on, on Twitter, Facebook, all those places as well. So uh, thanks very much for tuning in. Now go make a better place to live. Thank you.